here we go. We're talking about the message. We're talking about better together. Talking about our series. Talking about our vision statement. Uh, Scripture says a lot about having vision, and sometimes we miss it. We misinterpret. We don't. We don't quite know what it means to have vision. I'm telling you, I wrestled with this thing for a long time. Growing up, growing up in school, we started hearing these things about goals, setting goals. I don't know what a goal is, and I, I just wish a teacher would have sat down with me and shown me how to set a goal. I never set a goal, by the way, and I thought it was okay not to set a goal, but I realized I don't have vision. And so Proverbs 29:18 says this in the message version. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. And I'm hoping through communion you begin to see why Thrive's vision is what it is because that's what God's been doing since Exodus 6, 6, 7. And when he put Jesus on the cross, the purpose of it, and you can track this vision all the way through every bit of Scripture. If you just start seeing through the lens, you'll realize, wait a minute, this is what God wants us to do to fulfill his purposes on earth. This was the Lord's prayer. They'll stumble all over themselves. And But when they attend to what he reveals, God reveals, they are most blessed. He, the King James Version says this, where there is no vision, people perish. Pretty simple. You don't know where you're going. You're going all over the place. You have no direction, and you're just lost. You're perishing, and you don't even know it. Things may feel good. They may seem good for a little bit, but you're perishing because you have no clear direction on what it is that you make your decisions on, why you make your decisions, and where, where you're going to be steadfast and how God is going to bring you through every decision because it's his vision that he's given you to fulfill because it lines up with the reason he created you. And most of us don't have this. So that's why we drive home really hard the vision because we have a common corporate vision that we give you, but we also have a personal vision that we serve you to help you try to find it between you and the Lord in communion with Holy Spirit so that you can discover the, the personal vision for your life. We set the platform for a corporate one. And we encourage a private one, a personal one, so that you can be who God created you to be, so that you can be, make a difference in the world outside of here and inside of here. That's everything that we do. That's the purpose of why we do what we do. And, and D.L. Moody said this, our, great fear, our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at something that really doesn't matter. And that's what we do when we don't have vision. We're really good at what we created, and it really doesn't matter. And I'm going, to break, I'm going to bring into that a little bit, because sometimes we start to feel guilty. The old church said, well, if you're not in ministry, you're not doing the right. If you're not pastoring a church, you're not in missions. That's not true either. That's not true either, because you're on mission everywhere God has placed you, and he's called you in the place. He's put you in a place. The whole thing is he wants to change your mind and your heart set so that you begin to see right where I'm already at. I'm on mission so that I can use what I've got towards the kingdom. So we gotta, we got to break that old religious mindset and then start to get into what God is doing right here. Pastor Rick Warren says this, if God calls you while you're in something, he calls you into it until he calls you out of it. Usually we like, well, I get called, and I get called, I get saved, now i got to go into ministry or missions. No, you are in ministry. The moment you come to know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you entered into the ministry. It doesn't matter where you're at. So that's why here we get the lost people saved. We're all about getting the lost saved, the saved pastor, the pastor trained, and the trained mobilized. That's our track. That's going to be our story. That's why we exist. That's who we are. 
Lost, saved, saved, pastored, pastor, trained, trained, mobilized. Lost, saved, saved, pastor, pastor, trained, trained, mobilized. You're going to hear this for the rest of your life here at Thrive Community Church because we want to get everybody mobilized. We want to take them from lost to mobilize. And the only way we can do this is on this strategic plan right here. And it has everything to do with you getting to know Jesus, the real Jesus, not the religious Jesus, finding freedom, discovering your purpose, your design, and then going and making a difference. That's what all this is about. We've got to teach people. We teach people to fall in love with God. Then they will do all that he commands. That's where Jesus wants to get us. He wants to turn our hearts so that we begin to do all that he commands. And we want to talk about introducing Jesus. John, 1 John 5, 3 and 12 says this. This is love for God, to obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. When we truly fall in love with Jesus, we realize that they don't really carry a burden. It's the love of Jesus inside of me that I desire to do the will of the Father. And the, the joy that I find in the struggle of doing the will of the Father reduces the amount of what I would have called burden before. Now it's pleasure. And if it's too much of a burden, it might not be because you're following Jesus. It might be because you're doing your will and not the will of the so there might be a little bit of tweaking that needs to go on, and it could be in the very same place, but there's a heart change that needs to take place so that you can do the will of the Father in the lane that you're currently in. All of a sudden, the things that were weighty and heavy and burdensome are no longer going to become burdensome because now you're doing it with a different purpose, different reason, different passion, different desires. And that's why his yoke is easy and his burdens are light. Sometimes we use that scripture to say, this is why I don't need to be doing anything. I just need to rest in the Lord, and I'm, I'm on my lazy boy in my couch and on my bed. I just felt the Lord call me to pray for eight hours today under my covers, you know? I just, really? He says, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Simple. He just, he puts the, he puts the cookies on the bottom shelf. He doesn't make it complicated. It's the simplicity of the gospel. And then Jesus, here's what we need to know about Jesus. He was authentic. Is how you know if you've met the real Jesus. He's authentic. He's relevant. Re relevant, sorry. He's relevant too. He's relevant. He's enjoyable. Psalms 122 says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Somebody's like, I got to go to church today. <laughs> you don't know Jesus. <laughs> I got to serve today. You, don't, you need to get to know Jesus because the passion behind it, it must be a burden. It's the wrong kind of person you're serving. I was glad when I got to go, when I get to, when they said, let's go in the house of the Lord. I was glad. Hallelujah. Naomi, last night, we get to go to church tomorrow? Yes, we get to go to church tomorrow. Yay! Brielle, her friend, she, yay! Who cares why she wants to go to church? She wants to go to church. <laughs> she was glad when she heard we're going to church tomorrow. If, you know, they love that children's ministry. They go every direction. We're going to have kids in here later today. Pastor Lacey's done a great job of making a world-class children's ministry where kids desire, they desire to go and be with their friends and learn about the Lord Jesus Christ. They make it active and fun, interactive, use great visuals, great teaching material. We're growing your kids. Give us, your, give us the lives of the kids, and we'll tell you what, we're going to turn out some we're going to turn out some leaders in the business world, the government world, the arts. Maybe it's, maybe it's the spiritual world, whatever it is. We're going to turn out leaders. We're focused on turning out leaders right here. That's why leading change. You'll see it on church shirts around here, leading change. But Jesus was accepting. The real Jesus was accepting 
whew, we struggle with this one because we've been taught some other things that don't look like accepting. You know, little children tend to, they, they tend to be leery. But with Jesus, they would just run to him and hug on him. There was something we need to learn from that. The people of the day called him a glutton and a drunkard and said he hung out with tax collectors and sinners. Well, hallelujah. How are we going to reach him if we don't? I was thinking about it this morning. I was playing in a golf tournament, and one of the guys that, that came with us who's a friend of a friend, and he, was, he bought us all beer, and he was smoking cigarettes, and I'm sitting here thinking, we're at a, a, a ministry golf tournament, and it's for fundraise, and they're going to think, these guys, this is how Thrive Community Church rolls. And he, he bought one for me, bought one for my bro, stepbrother, bought one for... And so I just left it there. I said, I, I said to my stepbrother, would you put that in the cooler over there? Just put it over there out of the way. Never said anything. By the end of it, he's drank all of our beers and never said a word about anything. You know, he starts hitting putts, and, you know, that's what you need. You just needed a cigarette. You know, so he just, just, just rolling with him a little bit. Why? Because I want him to feel accepted. By the end of it, we're giving high fives. We're, get, we're getting to know each other. We're talking on a personal level. I'm not celebrating him drinking and smoking, smoking cigarettes, but you think God is worried about that? God's worried about his heart. And I want, to be, I want to carry the heart of God, so I'm concerned about the man's heart. And I make him feel unaccepted. How am I ever going to get to his heart? Boy, I feel like we came away from that place friends. I'm not going to celebrate what he's doing, but I'm going to celebrate him. That's, a, that's the real Jesus. When we got the real Jesus in our heart, we can celebrate people because they are God's creation. Man. Man, which is why we establish everything around relationships in groups and teams. You'll hear us tribes, 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 teams, teams, ministry teams, ministry teams, tribes, tribes. It's all about relationships. It's all about acceptance. It's all about getting to know each other. It's all about being able to take the mask off so we can actually find some love. I'm not going to say any names, but a young man in our, our Thrive tribe this, this week said, I've never been in a church that has so much love in it. That's a big statement for a young man to say. That's huge. What do people want? I was talking with a lady in Lowe's, and I know, I know some issues. I can see it all over. But she just said, when you get love, then you're willing to hear the truth. Amen. Absolutely. There's the sum of our conversation. Come on in. Come on in. Come on in. Jesus was powerful, and he still has the power to heal and set us free. Heal and set your mind free. He was, power. he was powerful, and he is powerful. That's the real Jesus right there. And that's the one we got to be able to package and deliver, but we got to start emulating and looking like, and we got to get him inside of us. We got to spend some time with the real Jesus. But here's some signs of not knowing the real Jesus. Matthew 7, 21, 23 says this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we, did we not prophesy in your name and, and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Didn't we do all these things? Right? Didn't I do all these works for you? Didn't I, didn't I serve enough for you? Didn't I, didn't I show up for you? Didn't I? That's not what he's looking for. Those are byproducts of a heart of love that's broken for him. And it's a heart that we carry in relationship with him. Then I will tell you, it says, it says, I will tell him plainly, I never knew you away from me. This word knew, you probably know it, gnosko, to know intimately, to know relationally, to know on a personal level. Man, you did all these things, but I never really got to know you. Like a husband and wife team, that, or a husband and marriage, there's this movie 
<clears throat> there's, a, there's a play, actually. It's a musical. And in this, there's a, a family, and they're, they're all about setting up marriages. And none of the, none of the daughters want to marry the man that the, the men that the father set them up with. And he starts to wonder, well, I wonder, because my marriage was an arranged marriage, I wonder if my wife even loves me. For 25 years, they've been married. And so he goes to her, and in this musical, he starts to sing to her, Do you love me? And so he's sitting there singing to her, and she turns around, Did I not serve you? Did I not do your dishes? Did I not milk your cows? Did I not? And he goes, But do you love me? Do you love me? And she goes, She sings it back. The essence of that is it's not about all the things that we do for each other, it's about how we actually have relationship and how we actually love each other and care for each other. It's how we serve God with a heart of love and how we love him. We have intimate relationship. We spend time with him and we're willing to allow him to sit inside of us and begin to lead all things that we do. It's the intimacy of knowing him. But the sign of not knowing the real Jesus, you have a sense of powerlessness. No matter what I do, I just can't stop doing you fill in the blank. No matter what I do, I just can't get traction on this thing. I feel like I'm in a cycle. I just feel powerless. That's the sign of not having an intimate relationship with Jesus. Frustration with trying to do good. I keep serving and serving, but, and, but nothing ever changes for me. Why does it always change for them, but it doesn't change for me? I keep doing all these things, but my situation never changes. Too, too self-focused and not Jesus-focused. It's all about me. Envying others who seem to be closer. How come, how come all, everything always works out for them? I don't get it. How come everything works out? Every time they do something, it just turns to gold. Why is that? How, what about me? What about me? What it, what, what it turns out is that we're often serving with the expectation of how we're going to be served. We're serving with the expectation of, I better get something out of this. And that's not a heart that knows the real Jesus. That's not a heart that's in intimate relationship with Jesus. A heart that knows it and has the intimate relationship with Jesus doesn't carry any of those burdens. And it doesn't matter to them what they get. They're all about serving others and, and lifting up others and building big people and serving the, Lord, the love of God inside of the hearts of the broken, the wounded, the bruised, fulfilling the gospel of Jesus Christ from Isaiah on. That's, that's knowing the real Jesus right there. Do you love me? Philippians 3.10 says this, I want to know the Christ. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. We love him because he first loved me. As John 4, 1 John 4.19, we love because he first loved us. It is in us to desire love, and that's why everything that we do is in a pursuit of love. We said a few weeks ago, looking for nub in all the wrong places. Looking for love and all the wrong... Okay. Uh, so number two is increase my awareness of him with all my heart. You know, the word is seek, but it's increasing my awareness. Like, I, I don't have to seek him when I just become more aware of him. When I begin to really follow after God, I just want to see everything that he was doing in my life. That's part of seeking, just becoming more aware of how he is moving in people around me, how he is speaking to me, how he is showing me things, how he's speaking to the innermost being inside of me, how he begins to pursue me as I'm making myself aware of him. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart, everything that you do, you're trying to see me in every situation because now you've got this revelation that I'm, I'm everywhere and I'm in everything. I'm in your business. Let me be in your business a little bit. Look at this in, in the Bible, tra- in my Bible study. This, it means to undergo this work, to seek, experience, to earnestly try to encounter the presence of a deity. As you chase that word and the, the root of that word, you see to undergo, to experience, to experience things. And then it goes to to know firsthand. I like the top one, to be shipwrecked. I want to talk about wreck me, Lord. I mean, to literally be shipwrecked upon the presence of God. 
You can't go anywhere. I'm stuck here. I'm stuck with this guy. Shipwrecked to experience and receive, to know firsthand. That's what he said. You will seek me and find me when you choose to know me firsthand, to seek experience. Get this. Remember what Pastor Coleman said last week. When you love someone, it comes with a little bit of to suffer. Are you willing to suffer for Jesus? The only way you're really going to know him is if you, if you let go of some of those things that once called burdens and now you suffer a little bit so that it's no longer a burden and it's an easy yoke that you're carrying because it's no longer about me. It's all about him and his people whom he called me to serve and that's everybody around us. Are you willing to suffer? Then you're willing to know him. Three is to give him my life. Jesus, the only thing I want in return, that's the only thing I want in return is you. I'm serving others, but all I want is you. I want everything that you have for me, and I want everything, I want you, everything that you have for them to go to them. There's this place where I don't care, I'm humble now, and now I just want it for them, and I want, I want you. That's when I know Jesus, and boy, Jesus can do some things. Now, Luke 9, 24 in the NLT says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it, but if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Hang on to that. It's a great kingdom principle right there. Success is when people are moving on the spiritual journey that God has set for them. Success is whenever you start to move on the spiritual journey that God has lined up for you, the timeline Pastor talked about last week. When you start to move along that journey, here's what Dr. Caroline Leaf says, and she's a, a Christian psychologist studies the, the actions of the brain to see how it lines up with Scripture, and she shows us how the, the fruit of the Spirit and the Scriptures actually connect with our body. And here's what she says about this. Every time you achieve success, your brain changes what success means to you, transforming with every experience moment by moment every day. Because success is that little bitty carrot that God has given you to get you here because if he would have showed you this way down here, it would have been too big and too intimidating, but he thinks he can, maybe he can get you here. And once you get here, he opens this up and you realize, well, that wasn't successful enough. God, I want to be pleasing to you. I want to have your success in my life because it's in your DNA. He's created you for that thing. And he gives you step by step of success so that he can continue to grow you and to serve you and to build you up because it's glory to glory to glory. Glory to glory, not just glory. She says, she says this, that when we find success in very challenging moments, that it increases our joy in life. Does somebody need some joy? Find success in your trial because when you do, it increases our level of joy and maybe I can do this. Maybe the power of God is working inside of me. Maybe the things that I thought I couldn't do wasn't good enough or the resume that I read about myself that I thought disqualified me. Now God is using these things to qualify me. Joy. Therefore, we are in control of our ability to choose joy. Sounds like a fruit of the Spirit to me, self-control and joy. Wow, what is going on? We're designed this way. We're designed this way to go over every boundary that is set before us. It is a marker to find more joy, not to hold us back. Come on. That's the lifelong spiritual journey. Let me show you this graphic, too. This is everything we're built off of at Thrive Community Church. 
We're trying to make leaders that are consumed with making disciples. We're, we're trying to make you a leader. We, we are consumed with making you a disciple, and we want to make you a leader that wants to make disciples. We're trying to get people moving, embed you in everything that we do with the Bible. Create ownership in everything. Create ownership in everything here, but everything outside of this world. Why? Because you've been destined for these things. Your spiritual gifts make it happen. Your talents, everything that God has in your DNA makes it work. And then, not only us, to pastor the local community is not about having a title of pastor. That's about having a title of a believer, a Christian. The body of Christ. Hey, body, how you doing? Are you pastoring your community? Are you choosing joy? Hey, body, my ultimate purpose, what's that? Acts 20, 24 says, I don't care about my own life. The most important thing is that I complete my mission, the work the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus gave me to tell the people the good news of God's grace. Jesus, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he went to the cross. He was sitting there saying to the God, the Father, he says, I've completed my mission, and now I give them mission. He's completed his mission. Now he wants to work his mission through you. He's given it to you. It, every one of us have mission now. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do the good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. You're going to hear that over and over here. Acts 1.8 you will be, you be my witness in Jerusalem and Judea and all Samaria and the ends of the world. He wants, his Holy Spirit wants to baptize you. The Holy Spirit wants to baptize you so that you will have the power to be a witness in all areas of the world. Talk about making a difference. Make a difference in your world, your family. Are you making a difference in your world? Right, right there in the little bitty, little bitty circle that you got of life. Mark 5.19, go home to your family and friends. Tell them how, how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. God has had mercy on you to make a difference beyond my world. Restaurants, the waiters, Brookshire's, Walmart, just outside of your world. To whatever, 1 Corinthians 9, 22, whatever a person is like, I try to find common ground with him. Common ground so that he will let me tell him about Christ and let Christ save him. Guess what I was finding? Golf was common ground with this guy, my new friend, who's beer drinking and smoke, cigarette smoking. Hallelujah. Maybe I'm a glutton and a drunkard because I hang out with him. I didn't drink, but you can call me what you want. I want to hang out with tax collectors and sinners. In fact, he was a tax collector too, nonetheless. <laughs> That's funny. I just realized that. <laughs> This year, we've given $8,000 to local missions. Local missions right here. We're supporting the, just outside of our world. Our world's right here. We're taking care of it. But just outside of it in Henderson, Henderson County, we're giving money. That's why we have, we have October 12th, our serve day. We're taking over for Rebecca's project. We're going to meet at First Presbyterian. We're going we're to serve them in serving their ministry. Come in and cook and serve, prepare meals for 130 to 150 people times two and deliver them to their homes on that Saturday, October 12th. I hope I see you there. I hope I see you there. Make a difference in the whole world. Mark 16, 15 says, Jesus said to his followers, go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. To everyone. Not, that doesn't mean just go to missions in Honduras and that's it. No. Go everyone. Go. Go. 
says, for the love, sorry, this, Mark 10, 29 says, Jesus replied, let me assure you that no one has ever given up anything, anything, anything. There will be great things that God begins to take you. I want you to see this success, and then he moves the line, moves the line. There will be great things that you thought were success, and you think you arrived there's great things in your life, and it looks really wonderful, and it looks spectacular. But in that place, God is going to give you another alternative, and he's going to ask, will you give this thing up for me so that you can have even better? And it's a hard exchange. It's a trying exchange. But if we don't know the Gospels, it's an impossible exchange because with men, this thing is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And in this situation, here's what he says. There is nothing that you've given up for love of me and to tell others the good news who won't be given back a hundred times over. This very thing that he's saying, hey, will you give up this thing for me? Because one day he's going to bring it around even greater if you'll just trust him right here. Door number one, door number two, or door number three. No goat for me. Who knows? Let's make a deal. Come on. Start in the 60s. Where are my people at? Where are my people? If you think God can't bring, bring something back around for you and you're willing to give it up for him, for his people, to tell people the good news of the gospel, you don't know Jesus you got to get with Jesus. He says, in this present age, I will give you a hundred times over if you're willing to give up your life and give away things for my sake, for the sake of the gospel. This life, this age, he says, read it, Mark 10, 29, 30. Now in the present age, and this is the kingdom principle, you only get to keep what you give away. Blows our minds. If I don't give it away, I can't keep it. But if I try to hold on to it, guess what? It's going to turn to nothing. It's going to rot. It's going to be the prodigal son story. Making a dollar is, is a great, I will, I said, look at this, I will never be satisfied making a dollar when my purpose is to make a difference. And nothing, nothing wrong with making a dollar. God has blessed us with the ability, the talents, the skills, the hands, the redeemed hands to make a dollar. But it was just for the sake of making a dollar and it's not for kingdom purposes. That's the error in our ways, in our thinking. He, he doesn't even require the whole thing to fulfill his vision. He says, I can fulfill my vision if you just give me 10% of what I'm giving you. And if we don't think he's giving it to us, then we might be on the throne. We might be on the throne. When I first, when God really began to call me and I was beginning to be more aware of what he's doing and what's going on and around me and the situations, I, began, I was having these dreams, and I know you've had these dreams probably I was in the military, and it was like boot camp over and over, and all I had was whitey tidies. Like, I was the only dude out there, and I had no uniform, had nothing, and I was walking hum humiliated, literally. I can't say humbly. I was humiliated out there having to walk and do my, my boot camp with these guys. Not, it was dream after dream after dream like this. Like, what in the world is going on? I, I remember writing in that time. I remember writing in that time in my journal. I don't know what this means. I wrote the journal, the dream down. I don't know what this means. All I know is there must be time. God's given me time to prepare for something. This is 2007. 2012, the night I'm going to get ordained, Pastor T.D. Hall, the night I'm going to get ordained, he lays hands on me and prays. But before that, I'm preparing. I'm getting ready in my parents' pool house. And I put on my, pant, my, my, my pants, and then I... I go to my closet, and I've got three or four shirts that are the same style, different color, and I'm about to pull out 
the gray one or the maroon one. I can't remember which one. But I distinctly heard the Lord say, no, the green one. So I grabbed the green one, and I put it on, and I'm getting ready, and I, you know, I got to look good. So I'm going to the mirror, and I'm fixing my hair, and, and, I, and I have it on, and I look up, and he says, now you have your uniform. It was a military green shirt and jeans, and that night I, I go, and they announce me as a pastor of missions of the church, and Pastor T.D. Hall lays hands on me, and just something powerfully happened because when the pastor, Mark, asked me to ask people to come by and greet me, I just heard prophetic word after prophetic word after prophetic word coming out for the people who were coming by. And I remember seeing a guy from Romania just start to hit nod his head and smile. That was a God moment right there. That was a God moment. We can't do this thing on our own. We're much better together. The vision of God is only fulfilled when God's people use their spiritual gifts, their talents, their abilities, their design, their past, their broken past, because it's beautiful. It is beautiful. Your broken past is beautiful in God's eyes. And then we use it for the glory of God in his kingdom. This is a beautiful story. I was reading Joshua 5 this week, and I read how the men of war died because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. Joshua 5, 6 says this, for the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord, to whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers that he would give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. Get this. There was a promise that was undeliverable to his people because they would not listen to the voice of the Lord. There's a promise that is undeliverable for you until you start to hear the voice of the Lord. Hear, believe, obey. It's the same promise right here. Your purpose is undeliverable until you start to lean in. You start to see him and everything that he's doing. And you start to know the real Jesus. You start to find freedom. You start to discover purpose. And you really say, here's why I'm here, to make a difference. It's undeliverable until you get there. And then they crossed over the river and then they were circumcised because all the men of war who were circumcised, they died in the wilderness. But get this, I saw this yesterday. The men and women, the men of war, they were the parents. Who got to cross into the problem, promised land? Sons and daughters. Your sons and daughters. Your sons and daughters of the Father. His desire is for you to follow, to go into the promised land, to listen to the voice of the Lord, to, to discover the deliverable promise if you're willing to listen. And then they observed the Passover, which we did, the Seder. That's the communion moment that we took. They observed it across the river. They ate of the produce of the new land, the promised land, and that's when manna stopped. They were getting fed supernatural food by God in the wilderness, but now when they crossed over, they began to find provision, and that's when the manna stopped. And there's a time in your life, and there's times in your life when God begins to change the provision, changes how he blesses you. He begins to change how he, how he resources you. It comes from a supernatural manna to you walking in the fullness of everything that he's given you, and he blesses it because now you're walking out his vision, and where his vision is action in action, so is his provision. Man, this is really good to me. 
I'm, I'm, I'm like leaping for joy. I'm, I don't know why people aren't celebrating the Lord. Amen means so be it. Can I get an amen? amen. Goodness. Joshua 5.13, it says, And it came to pass when Joshua was in Jericho that he, he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with a sword drawn. What we'll come to know is this sword... This is the word of, the God, word of God. The Bible is a sword, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It separates soul and spirit, bone and marrow. Get this. In his hand, and Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or are you our adversaries? He said, No, no, but I come. I come as commander of the army of the Lord I have come. Do you know who that is? Jesus. And so that afternoon, the weekend I was ordained, I go to, we go to the country club and we have most of our family. My father is not there. He didn't know anything about all this. We go and we have lunch and it's a great time. And when I'm leaving, I'm, I'm walking, drive to drive through the parking lot to go home from Athens Country Club. My grandmother's out there by her red Cadillac. She's at the, she's at the trunk of her car and she goes, wait, Nathan, Nathan, Nathan. Your daddy gave me something to give you two weeks ago. He knows nothing about all this. He certainly doesn't know about this dream. But there's the commander of the Lord's army that's in front of all of us, and he's wondering, what are you going to do? And so in this moment, my grandmother reaches into the trunk of her car, and she pulls out this thing. Mind you, I'm, I have no interest. I love, I'm so thankful for the army of, of the United States of America and what they do and all the military forces I am. But she reaches into the trunk of her car, and she pulls out this box and says, your dad gave me this two weeks ago to give to you, your father. Yesterday, he told me, now I've got my uniform. He began to speak to me about why he was giving me dreams about me being in the military, and all I had was whitey tidies, and all I said, oh, I guess it's just time to prepare. And he used an unspiritual man to give to a spiritual woman two weeks in advance so in the right moment, at the right time, God, the Father, could confirm what He was doing in my life. There's absolutely nothing special in this box whatsoever. There's a pin and some kind of cheap wallet. It's, it, there's nothing significant about this except for it has confirmation all over it about what God is doing in my life, was doing, and will do, and what He wants to do in your life. Because you have the commander of the Lord's army standing before you, and you, He needs to know, are you with Him? Are you with Him? And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And I just want you to bow your heads right where you're at because I think that's the big question that we all need to have in our heart over knowing Jesus, finding freedom, discovering purpose, and making a difference right here where he's called you to be in this season, in this time. What does my Lord say to his servant? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? I can't say anything outside of the advice of just do that. Wherever you are in the four cups, just do that. Just be all in right there. Let us know how we can serve you. We're here for you. We want to make you big.
You're big, Jesus is big, because it's all about him. When you really get it, you can only become big because of what Jesus is doing in you. We've got this idea, and we need both of them. Who I am in Christ, who I am in Christ, who I am in Christ. I love it. But we also need to know who he is in us. So, Father, right now, I just pray for your word. I pray for clarity in the hearts and minds of every individual here that they're hearing from the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, just fall in this place today. Let your presence be upon every individual in this place and let them before you begin to hear, begin to bow their hearts. What is it that you would have your servant say? What is it that you would have your servant do? How can I know you more, Holy Spirit? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. If you're here and you've yet to know Jesus Christ, this Jesus that I explained today, I just encourage you to commit. Maybe you thought you committed your life to the Lord in the past but I'm talking about the real Jesus. And I would just say right where you're at, just, Lord, I commit my life to you, everything that you are. I thank you for forgiving my sins. I repent. I want you, and I want everything that you have. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Can we just stand up and worship Jesus because he is so good, and it's all about him.